0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. If you like the review that you hear today, I do invite you to check out more of my work. You can find over 3,800 of my written reviews. I've been doing film reviews since 1996, and you can read them all at my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Q W I P S T E R dot rnet Today I'm going to be reviewing Kubo and the Two Strings. It's an animated fantasy adventure. It's PG-rated for its thematic elements, scary images, action, and peril. I should caution you, even though it is PG instead of PG-13, that some more impressionable youngsters may find some of the violence a little bit too much for them. However, I did see this film with a theater that had many younger children. None of them seemed to have a problem with it. I think that parents will probably have to gauge whether their child can handle that kind of strong PG levels of violence. It's an hour and 41 minutes. The voice cast includes Art Parkinson, whose name may be known to Game of Thrones fans, Charlize Theron, Matthew McConaughey, Ray Fiennes, and Rooney Mara. The director's Travis Knight, and the screenplays by Mark Hames and Chris Butler. So if you follow Leica, the animated studio's past This is their fourth film. Their films include Coraline, Paranorman, and The Boxed Rolls. This one's arguably the best work, I feel, of this oregon based mainly stop-motion animation studio. It's the first to be directed by that company's president and CEO, Travis Knight. He was a former rapper, and I knew him very briefly as a rapper named Chili T back in the early 90s. He eventually turned into an animator, and he's put the studio on the map through the ingenious presentation of their animation styles during this era, where pure CG tends to dominate at the box office. And they really take a lot of care, not only in the look of their film, but in the way that they build on their stories. Although children will undoubtedly enjoy the like of films, their output has thus far been aimed really at all ages. I think that adults with or without children will enjoy these movies, sometimes just as much as the kids'. And also, we'll get more out of them, because there are some very mature thematic elements that are underneath each of their stories. As such, you could imagine they are also quite costly to produce, and because these movies aren't really built to be easy commercial products, they don't really make huge splashes at the box office. But perhaps outside of Pixar... Leica has built a brand loyalty that has their fans around the world eagerly anticipating each new release from them, regardless of whatever the story may happen to be about. If they see Leica on the poster or in the advertisements, you can pretty much count some people as being there because they know they're going to get some good quality filmmaking. So Kubo and the Two Strings is set in a fantasy folklore version of medieval Japan. We find a young boy named Kubo. He's spending his days using his elaborate technique in magical origami constructions to spin very beautiful stories of the heroism of his legendary father, a samurai named Hanzo. He's telling these stories to the people of his village, and these origami creations are brought to life from the magic that emanates from his shamisen, which is this three-stringed Japanese lute. Kubo's evenings are spent with his mother, who's very melancholy, sometimes a little bit forgetful as well. They're both hiding in seclusion in a cliffside cave. He's supposed to be home before dark, for reasons that are explained later. Kubo's mother informs him of his own troubled youth after having to escape his murderous grandfather, named the Moon King, who took Kubo's left eye when he was still a baby and is still wanting his other, for reasons again, also explained later in the film. With the help from his grandfather's supernatural minion daughters, a couple of aunts to Kubo wearing no masks, and uh, I guess they're kind of witches in this way, eventually the past comes home to find them, and it causes Kubo to go on a very harrowing but very heroic adventure, along with new protectors, a motherly mentor known as Monkey, and an insectoid amnesiac fighter named Beetle who helped Kubo fulfill his quest of finding three samurai items imbued by magical properties meant to thwart his grandfather, an unbreakable sword, an impenetrable suit of armor, and an invulnerable helmet that once belonged to Hanzo, his long-lost father. As you can imagine, this is a poetic piece. It's a folktale that's built on many metaphorical elements that are probably more readily understood through interpretation instead of trying to derive any kind of literal meaning from them. This is a movie that's willing to allow us in the audience to come to a decision within the moment as to whether what we're seeing is the story's version of reality or if what we're witnessing is more storytelling within storytelling myth within a myth for these fantasy characters or whether maybe it's all a myth obviously this is a fantasy film we're watching so the presumption is in reality this is not reality but yet within the context of the movie it's hard to tell because it exists on many layers in one way, if you really want to interpret it from a distance, the movie can be seen as a metaphor of animated storytelling itself, in which Kubo, kind of like Leica as a filmmaking company, is bringing inanimate objects to life. He makes his origami paper change and flow to the needs of his narrative at any given moment, just like the way that... Laika uses its stop motion and a little bit of CGI to tell their story. They manipulate things in in such a way that it crafts an environment, an atmosphere, a fluid movement, so that we can follow their story. However, in a more broad way, if you're actually within the context of the story, the film does have more themes in mind than just that. It explores themes of death and loss and anguish and Grief and moving on without forgetting the past as well as the value of stories that are passed down from generation to generation that effectively keeps valued loved ones alive even beyond their physical passing through the repeating of their stories. The connection with one's past through these stories helps to heal the troubles of the present for those people who hear them, and also their outlook on the future, as these families and these villages flow like a river through time, each one building upon the mythology and the awareness of the generations that came before, and imparting them fully into the next generation as part of a pact to always keep these stories alive through the collective memories of these tales and these traditions." In this manner viewers may also be reminded of other interpretive works such as most obviously the wizard of oz because that also featured a quartet of people on a quest having to escape and then ultimately engage with a wizard or a witch and it's almost like the wizard of oz were filtered through the lens of hayao miyazaki and his more delicate handling of character over spectacle in his animation style. Though I do think that this film definitely plays more toward entertaining Western audiences than a more straightforward or authentic attempt at spinning Japanese folklore would generally lend. This one is a little more jokey than any of those Miyazaki films. The Buzz Lightyear-esque Beatle character voiced by Matthew McConaughey is the usual perpetrator of some of these jokes that seem a little bit more contemporary. There is a little bit of that modern-feeling dialogue, and that may keep the film, for some viewers, from transcending into greatness because of the obvious injection of modern-day humor. Maybe some people might find that a little bit tacky in a movie that plays more like a serious fairy tale. As with prior insular metaphors, the mix of old-fashioned and contemporary ways of telling a story is also in keeping with the way that Leica uses older forms of animation in concert with the new CG-oriented kind. They use 3D printer technology to do a lot of the animation, especially of the faces and the mouth movements and things like that. Yet, they're also very respectful of the traditions of those who came before, while also knowing that those storytelling techniques must change with the wants and the needs and the expectations of the audiences with each successive generation. Kubo and the Two Strings is gorgeously scored, it's beautifully voiced, and it's meticulously detailed. This is a wonderful and richly imagined presentation just from a craftsmanship standpoint. Though, I will say, if there's a weak link at all to this movie, it's that the story does begin to hit a bit of turbulence. When it tries to come up with a cataclysmic climax to cap everything off, I think that it reaches a little bit too far, especially in keeping with the more close-knit and intimate nature of Kubo's story. Now, given that Kubo himself struggles as a storyteller, we come to find early in the film, in coming up with a satisfying conclusion to his own stories, I'm going to give it a pass in this regard. This may be apropos. You know, this is the kind of ending maybe Kubo would have come up with because he doesn't know exactly how to end the story since the stories really kind of never end in, in their own way. Younger children, yeah, they may have a tougher time grasping the kind of slower pacing and also the meaning of what is actually a somewhat sophisticated metaphysical story. They may be challenged with some of the darker themes and also the lack of modern-day comedic snark that permeates much of the fare that is usually aimed at their age group these days. However, I think the same can be said about most fairy tales that they might hear. You know, those fairy tales use a great deal of thematic subtext to tell more telling stories for more mature audiences. Children may be too young to fully grasp the themes of these stories because they lack the life experience necessary. They merely enjoy them because they're full of fanciful creatures and events that are eerie and bizarre, magnificent, or perhaps even irreverent. And because of this, these are stories that grow and evolve in the minds of the viewers as they mature, causing us to see things within them that we hadn't the ability to notice before in our younger days. Eventually these tales become a cherished part of our own memories because they're so fluid and we come to appreciate them more and more with each repeated experience with them. And like the traditions of those stories of old, we too will enjoy passing down Those tales that enthralled us in our youth to our own children, capturing their eyes, their ears, their minds, their hearts with tales of heroism and valor and heartache and healing. The emotionally stirring and intimate epic Kubo and the Two Strings is certainly worthy of becoming such a time-honored fable. So despite a few quibbles here and there, I'm going to be giving Kubo and the Two Strings Four stars. And that's only my second four star film of 2016. Four stars. Goes to Kubo and the Two Strings. That means that I think that this is a film for anybody who even remotely thinks that they might enjoy it. I think it's well worth going out of your way to see. You may not love it as much as I do, but I think that the vast majority of people will come away thinking this was time well spent and well worth their money to go see Kubo and the Two Strings, four stars, from the Quipster Film Review Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you did, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button, as well as leave a review on iTunes and let other people know what you think of the show. I hope that everybody enjoys it. I hope you've been enjoying it for the past year plus that I've been doing it. I enjoy doing it. It is very costly for me to continue, which is why I need your help. So if you really want to support the show in addition to leaving a review, you can also go to Patreon. Dot com slash quipster and make a donation just $1 a month. I do about 15 to 20 reviews every single month, put $10 on each of those reviews. And you can see how much it costs, including how much it costs to actually host the site and the time it takes for me to write up and deliver all of these reviews to you. If it's worth a dollar a month to you to listen to, I freely encourage you to go to patreon.com slash quipster and help out the show. I definitely need all the assistance I can get. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening, and if you go see Kubo and the Two Strings, I hope that you let me know, send me a line, go to my website, find out my contact information, also links to my Twitter feed and Facebook page. Any of those ways are perfectly acceptable ways to get in contact with me. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R dot net.